listeners, what you're about to hear is a special exclusive sneak peek at an upcoming project, a podcast of all original horror and weird fiction called Rough Hollow. So what is Rough Hollow, you may be asking? What you need to know is that Rough Hollow is going to be a serialized podcast, an ongoing project of weird, horrific fiction set in gothic Appalachia. There's multiple storylines that intertwine now and again. Rough Hollow is hopefully going to be released every two weeks. That's a schedule that is mostly set by the fact that I'm going to be doing pretty much everything involved with it myself. I write it, I produce it, I perform it, I record and compose all of the music for it, and all the social media internet stuff for it. All of that is done in-house by me in my basement. How exciting. (laughs) Anyways, that's all beside the point. What you need to know is that on October 1st, the full episode will be available. You can subscribe on SoundCloud directly to the podcast and get new episodes whenever they're put out. Also, be sure to check out the Rough Hollow Facebook page and our Twitter account for updates whenever new episodes come out. So, without further ado, here is your first taste of Rough Hollow. In Bentburg. Lonnie Taylor was always covered in animal hair. Every time she came rolling into the food puppy, her coat would shed those white, gray fragments in a cloud drifting behind her. They clung to her old sweaters and her navy blue skirts and her calf-high nylons. Michaela Martin didn't appreciate it one bit, usually because her manager Sandy would yell at her to go get a broom and sweep up Lonnie's trail. At the checkout, Lonnie always paid in crumpled bills she pulled directly from her purse. On a bleak Tuesday in March once, she spent six minutes rummaging around in there for a five-dollar bill she needed. A line had begun to form. Michaela had shifted from foot to foot, wondering how in the hell it could take so long to go through a regular-sized purse. Wilson Douglas and Rob Sobel and Donna Arbliss had stood there, not staring at Michaela, not staring at Lonnie, not staring at the flyaways floating like airborne tentacles from Lonnie's sloppy, not-quite-Mennonite bun, not staring at all the hairs. The long black guard hairs, the greasy gray fur, the shockingly white down all over her coat. Wilson went ahead and stared. He couldn't help it. There were hairs stuck in the folds of her neck, too, right there in the skin. His lips pursed. Those hairs can't be hers, can they? He knew his brother was prone to growing long, stringy neck hairs, but his brother had weird patches of hair all over him. Wilson had never known a woman to grow shoulder and neck hair. No, it couldn't be hers. Of course not. Just stuck in the wrinkles. Though it was slightly impolite, Wilson had taken his dip out right then and there and started to work his jaw. Lonnie found the bill. Michaela discovered upon taking it that it was covered in melted chapstick. Michaela handled it with her curving, manicured nails only and put it in the hundred slot in the register so that it didn't touch any of the other bills. She knew Sandy would make her clean it before the end of her shift. It was fall, and Michaela had had enough. She didn't get into the community college in Mentorsville, so she stayed on here with her family and her job at Food Puppy. Lonnie paid that week with a freezer bag full of loose change. I'm going to stalk her. What? Benna texted back. Michaela was unpinning her name tag and putting on a jacket over her Food Puppy polo shirt. She thumbed at her phone and smudged her eyeliner, rubbing at her exhaustion. 
It was only two in the afternoon, but Michaela had opened, and that made for an early morning. I'm going to find out where gross old cat lady lives and kill all her cats. That's sick. Don't kill cats. Cat hair in chapstick is sick, Benna. I couldn't eat for a week. Don't kill cats. Michaela couldn't believe it when she was driving home and saw Lonnie walking along the side of the road. That telltale bun, that skirt that looks heathered but is really just filthy. She pulled over, biting her lip, and watched Lonnie amble over the broken sidewalks slowly. The cloud of hair hung behind her, making the air look strange in the afternoon sun. Lonnie paused by a mailbox. She found it empty. Michaela could see her lips moving, talking silently to herself, making facial expressions at someone Michaela couldn't see. Instead of continuing on up the sidewalk, Lonnie turned and went up the path to the house. I found her fucking house! Don't kill the cats. If you kill the cats, we aren't friends anymore. I'm serious, Mac. Michaela sat there in her car, occasionally turning the engine back on to warm herself, and waited until night fell. Lonnie's house was surprisingly well-groomed. The lawn was mowed, the concrete foundation of the porch had recently been painted a fresh green. Against the dying late-season grass, it looked determined and hopeful. Two white rocking chairs sat cleanly to the left of the front door. Michaela texted and chewed nicotine gum. When her stomach grumbled around six, she lit up a cigarette. When the sun was almost down, casting the world into purple and painful orange, Michaela lost her patience and got out. Lights had started to come on in some of the houses, but nobody was out and about. Michaela shoved her hands into her pockets and crossed the street at a trot. From down the hill, west, a banging came. The sound of somebody rummaging through a metal trash can. It spooked Michaela. She looked to see if she had been spotted, but the last rays of the sun blinded her and turned the edges of her vision into a black world of silhouettes and angles. She looked down to the ground and blinked. Michaela walked up the grass and moved quietly up the steps. The top half of the door had a window covered by the slats of a blind. Hints of light peeked out through it, but despite all her snooping, Michaela couldn't see anything. She eased behind one of the rocking chairs and tried to look past the gaps in the curtains. The banging came again, closer this time. Michaela ducked down. She hoped she could blend in with the shadows of the chairs or that her figure was broken up by the railing that runs around the edge of the porch. She couldn't see who or what was making the noise. Her heart pounded in her chest. She waited until it ended, then waited some more before she hopped back down the steps and went around the east side of the house. Near the back of the house, there's an uncovered window. A yellow square cast out onto the lawn. Michaela crouched as she walked, listening for Lonnie. Slowly, she rose up to look with one eye into the house. Inside, Lonnie was cooking something on the stove. It looked like there was a mess of strange plants on the cutting board and the counter. Weeds still whole with their dirty roots and half-desiccated leaves. Gnarled rhizomes in a gritty pile. And then there was a coffee can with something dark sticking out of it. It looked like a bone with a glob of meat on it, old and a deep gooey red. Lonnie picked up the can and dumped it into the pot. Barely audible, Lonnie was talking. Hold your water, hold your water, I'm coming. Hold it, hold it, hold on. 
and Michaela's feet was a squat window into the basement. She felt a sudden shot of hot air enfold her lower legs. The glass of the window was rattling. It was covered by a scrap piece of cardboard taped up with duct tape. Michaela smelled something musky and damp and sweet. She knelt down and carefully touched the rattling glass. The cardboard was loose, just hanging by a couple of inches at the top. The rest had come undone in the humidity that seeped from the gaps. It was pitch black inside. Michaela pressed her fingertips to the glass to stop its shaking. It burned her. A wisp of steam and stink floated up. Fear began to grow in Michaela's gut. What if Lonnie's boiler is about to blow? Should she run? Lonnie banged a spoon against the rim of the pot. All right, here it comes, she yelled. Michaela froze, certain that with Lonnie moving around, she'd be discovered. She pressed herself against the wall. But instead, Lonnie went down the stairs into the basement. Michaela could hear the sound of the basement door opening and Lonnie tromping down the steps. Her footsteps made the house shake. Michaela felt it in her shoulder, and with that shaking, the cardboard fell away from the window. It was an utter, impermeable black inside. Michaela bent down, curiosity dragging her by the throat. A lock of her bleached hair fell to brush against the lawn. Lonnie pulled on the light cord. A bulb sprang to life, beating weakly into the shadows. She's got something down there. On a filthy mattress, lying on its back, its long bones, long arms, long fingers are bound down to its torso with leather belts and bike chains. Its legs are cut off at the knees. Knobs of white gristle show. It twitches. Lonnie sets the pot down next to it and with a ladle dumps boiling liquid onto its head. Michaela cannot see its face. It is all darkness. Darkness hovers around the thing. It gulps and wheezes. After Lonnie is done ladling, she gets down on her hands and knees. She lies down on the mattress next to the thing. She puts an arm over it, curls up. Hairs. Black guard hairs. Greasy gray fur. Soft white down. They shed from the dark thing. They stick to Lonnie's shirt, to her fingers, to her skin. Well, if you enjoyed that and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud when the first episode drops on October 1st. Have a good night, listeners.